My name's Eric Morrow, Seattle Mariners baseball, everybody. Let's get started. That smile is back on Junior's face. Line drive, base hit to win it. Hello, Mariners Nation. This is Casuals Corner by the fans for the fans. I'm Tyler with my awesome co-host, Robert Griffin. How you doing, bro? If I shoot you, I'm brainless, but you can shoot me and become famous. What's a young man to do? What's good, T? <laughs> I love it when you open with some uh, hip-hop lyrics for us, man. We are missing our captain and point guard, Eric Morrow. Hopefully he's with us shortly. Big shout out to our one-of-a-kind amazing producer, Indy, out there in Nashville. What's going on, bro? Not much. Just chilling and getting ready for baseball stuff to happen. I'm ready for it. Right on, right on. Well, the countdown's here. We're only a few weeks away from spring training. It's Valentine's Day for our ladies, but for us, it's when pitchers and catchers report. And speaking of pitchers, we've touched on almost the whole ball club so far and our outlook predictions and hopes for this team. So we're going to take a quick look at the bullpen here. And I know you feel a certain way, Robert, about losing our closer and the effect it had on the rest of the squad. I'm still really high on Munoz and Brash. I have some reservations, and I believe you do too. But just in general, man, do you think these guys can raise up their game or are we going to struggle to close out the last couple innings without mother effing Jones on the squad? I'm always going to give a shout out to my boy, motherfucker Jones, Paul Seawall represent man with your crooked hat, South Dakota in this bitch. Um, I thought that Munoz came in some games and showed that fire. But the Andres Munoz experience has more rise than a rise than six flags. I'm telling you, it's up and down. You never know what you're going to get from him. There's no consistency. But I also think that comes because they didn't just tell him you're the guy. So he had all that time to just focus in on knowing that this is my inning. This is what I got to go out to do. And you got to ride with him. If he fails, you they, there's 162 nights. You give him a chance to get back out there the next night and get back on his shit. If we're going to ride with Topa, the same thing. You let that guy know what he has going on. Let's get some consistency going with it. I see here that we're looking at Emerson Hancock, Gabe Spieler, Trent Thornton, Austin Voss, uh, good old Saucy, T-Sauce, Jackson Kowar, Derek McCallahan, Carlos Vargas, and uh, good old Anthony Disco. So out of those names alone, we're going to be hoping that we can find some guys that come in who can dominate, keep bats off the ball, keep the ball in play, keep the ball from flying over the damn fence. We need we need to find someone who can come in and lock out these games and spring training will give us the first glimpse of who's been working on their craft and who may not be worth the squeeze. T, what do you think, man? Spot on, brother. And I just want to touch on one of your opinions really quick. And I actually wrote down that in my notes as well. And that personally, I believe Munoz and Brash can have a more successful season knowing that they have to be those dudes this year. 
everybody, players, coaches, fans, media, we were all shocked at the Seawall trade. And there's something to be said about if you know you have to be the man, if you know you got to be the dude compared to, oh, shit, all of a sudden I am the number one MC of this group. Now, we have a lot of veterans you just named, a few of them who we all think are pretty good. But I'm going to look at a couple of young guys who I predict are going to make a major impact in the bullpen. The Mariners 16th ranked prospect, Prelander Baroa, had three strikeouts, three walks, and one and two-thirds innings for the Mariners last year. He was very good in double-A. He has an electric fastball, an electric slider, and he might have the very best stuff in the entire Mariners minor system. He kicked ass and took names statistically for Arkansas with nearly 14 Ks per nine innings. And then I'm also looking at the number 23 prospect, Ty Adok, who in 15 and two-thirds innings for the M's had a 3.45 ERA and only a .7 whip. I kind of was curious why he got sent down at all last year with an upper 90s fastball and even better slider. So both these two young men have proven to be minor league studs, um, did pretty well with limited time in the bigs last year. I think they both could make a huge dent in the bullpen. And finally, Casey Sadler. Y'all forget the name because I did because he has had shoulder surgery in 22, labrum surgery in 23, but was just plain dominant in 2021. In 40 and a third innings, fellas, in 21, he had a .67 ERA, and he is expected to be full goal by the time spring training starts. If he can capture any of his magic before his injury and surgery problems, I think he would be a dynamite player to add to the bullpen. Eric, we know that we have to win with pitching and get by with as many hits as we can. Can our bullpen pull it off, or is it going to be too tall of a task to ask of these arms this year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's always the biggest mystery for uh, regular fans going into um, into the season or, or spring training is we really don't know much about the bullpen because lately it's it hasn't been a bunch of studs. Uh, it's been a bunch of retreads, and word is that Mariner Magic uh, brings them back to life, and they do an excellent job of of finding uh, finding those guys. Whether it's I don't know how that luck can keep going. You know, it's just like I tell you guys about the luck that we had in 2022 uh, with one with one run games. That's not going to last forever, and you're gonna you're gonna go back to the mean eventually. You would think. Um, but I feel like last season was pretty unlucky. I have no idea what you guys think the bullpen's going to do. Be okay, I guess. Yeah, I think we both think they're going to be maybe better than advertised. And I guess I look at it from purely the stuff aspect. And I think there's five pitchers that could be in the bullpen that have, quote, electric stuff with Munoz Brash, Barroa, Adcock, and possibly Carlos Vargas. Although his stats have been bad so far, he 
profiles as possibly another Munoz. And we have stable guys like Topa Spire and Saucy. There's a lot of arms. There's a lot of competition. And nothing is better for a bullpen in spring training than competition because no spots will be given. What's up, Robert? I think the beauty of this is, too, is that we're going to have some young guys that are going to have a realistic shot to compete to start the year up with the big leagues. And as they say, when you don't know how big the moment is, the moment isn't too big for you because you're just out there just doing the only thing you know how to do, and that's the pitch. Command and location is what we need from these guys and to be able to just go out there and do your job. You got one job. Keep somebody off the base. It's a lot easier for you to be able to do yours than it is for him to hit his. So if you're hitting your spots, if you're, if you're hitting your command, if you got control of everything that you're throwing, you should be able to put yourself in a spot where you can go out there and turn yourself into the new motherfucker Jones. If that dude could do it with a 92-mile-an-hour fastball and that slider or, or, or cutter, splitter, whatever nickname you want to give to it, if he can go out there and do that with that limited velocity, he's just changing your eye level. So you're not able to get comfortable in the box and be able to lock in on him on one zone. Did Corey Seager prove him wrong during the World Series? Yeah, but he wasn't a Mariner when that happened, so I don't give a damn. But during his time when he was in that blue, he was one of the best that we've ever had to come out of there in such a short time. So if we can get some guys who can go out there and hone it on their crafts, I think our bullpen is going to be all right. We're going to have some young guys with a chance to compete. We're going to have some guys who are out here trying to earn their money. So let's get out here and do the damn thing. Yeah, let's see what happens. Um, you know, um, I don't know what's going to happen with the bullpen. You, you don't know from years to year. It's the most volatile, volatile um, part of the team. So we've got some good guys. I think you guys covered that really well. I don't have much to add to that. It's that time of year where MLB.com released their newest edition of the top 100 prospects. And we'll just go over the ALS very quickly and I'll pass the ball out to you guys in the low block. But looking at the division, the Angels and A's are struggling big league clubs. Each only have one guy apiece at number 95 and number 68. So that's good news for the Mariners. The Astros have zero guys in the top 100. Another bit of great news for the Mariners. But my heart sunk when I saw the Rangers have four guys in the top 100, including the number five and number six prospects, both in the outfield. Number five, Evan Carter, we saw down the stretch in the playoffs and the World Series. He was an absolute stud, and I'm just worried that he's going to give us fits over the next, you know, five to ten years. And at number six, they have another outfielder, Wyatt Langford, who simply dominated in the minor leagues every step of the way. His ETA is this year. Bottom line, guys, the world champs are bringing in more premier talent to their outfield. And what better way to help a championship team than adding cheap studs? Are you worried here at all? I mean, I know we all respect Texas a ton here, Robert. I'm looking at is that Texas has those guys at the top. We got Harry Ford and Cole Young running in in 37 and 38. Texas is going to come in and we'll see if there's that championship hangover from them, but they do have a lot of talent that they produced on their own. 
that came in and produced in big moments. So that makes it more comfortable than what it is that they're trying to do. And we're hoping that our guys can take those next steps to it. Um, what I would really like to see is, again, I just go back to that dog aspect, man, who's, this is your money. This is how you earn your living. How are you going to get better at your job quick enough so the curve doesn't pass you by? And if you are unhappy with the Mariners, are you going to be good enough for your job that you're going to make somebody else want you? So this this is on this is on them, man. The way that I see it, this this is on them. Just like with every aspect of life, how bad is it that you guys are going to want to come out here and perform to make your damn money? E, what you say? Yeah, and remember that not every player has the ability to play in the major leagues. Um, so the ones, I mean, look at JK, for example, if he doesn't make the major leagues, you know, by 28, 29, he's probably working in a welding shop or something like that. You know, that's the difference between a life of luxury or at least a life with a lot of money in it, whether that turns good or bad, I don't know, um, to a life where it's a struggle every day or, or living the same lives we all are, you know, you're either struggling financially or you're working your ass off. Um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Cole Young, Henry Ford, Cole Emerson. Uh, is it Lorazo Monte Montes, Tyler, or or RG either? Um, is that a yes? Okay. Um, and then Gabriel Gonzalez, right? Um, can I not hear you guys or you're not talking? Not hear you, you got okay. you, Gabriel okay. Gonzalez. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyhow, the thing thing about our our um our farm is that the position players are still rather young. I mean, you're looking at a year and a half before these guys are really ready, and that's if things go right. Um, and then let's not forget that half of these prospects probably won't make it, and we're talking top prospects, and keep in mind that half of the ones that do make it will need a year or two under their belt to play up to their abilities. So it's not like we can sit around and wait for Cole Young. We can wait for Harry Ford to come in and save this team. This team will be in free agency by the time these guys are cracking the surface, and unless we're really lucky with a Julio type of situation, uh, just normal guys take a while to get going. Uh, that's our biggest complaint. I think something else we need to think about, guys, and Tyler, maybe you can, can enlighten this. I'm going to ask you a question just off the hip. The word is that with this one more playoff spot that um, more teams are holding on to their guys. There's not as many trades. They're hanging out, hoping they can take their team to the playoffs. And and that's kind of stymied some trade, particularly for younger guys. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, you hit the nail on the head there, Eric, because these owners know that how much more money they can generate down the home stretch, and especially if you make it into the playoffs. And now there is probably double the amount of teams in each league that have realistic shots of making the playoffs compared to the years in the past before the expanded playoffs and the extra wild card. 
So it is a lot tougher to make trades. It's also a lot tougher to make trades early in the season, which is when I would like to. In a perfect world, you can make a trade well before the trade deadline, get the most value out of the player you might have traded for. But, but let me hold you up there. Let me hold you up there. I haven't seen, there might have been two or three major league trades up until June, and maybe I'm off on that, but it seemed like there were no trades into the season before the, the trade deadline. Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's kind of what I'm firing at is you is no owners and especially no baseball ops as well. They're not going to want to give up on the season when there's so many more opportunity to make the playoffs have much more revenue at the gates in September. Hopefully you can push it into October. So it might be more important now than ever to grow your homegrown players. I just want to add one thing to what you said that really gave me a light bulb moment there, Eric, is, well, these guys are probably not going to be good major leaguers if they even make it at all until a few years, but that's our exact deadline. Cause you know, I have serious reservations if we're going to be able to re-sign Gilbert, Kirby and Cal. And so if we even have a hope in the world of signing those three guys in three years, when they all come up, then we have to have young players on rookie contracts producing at a high level or we're screwed, man. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how we have to do it. You can't tell with these these prospects. You take two or three prospects and, uh, um, you know, maybe one will make it. Maybe one will be a utility guy. It's tough to get a job in a major league uh, team. I think Canzone is probably our closest guy. Robert, what's on your mind, Mariners? You know, I'm just kind of getting antsy as we get ready to get as everybody gets ready to report down to Peoria, I would definitely love to see if the front office does have anything that they have kind of been holding back on and just waiting until like they did last year to make their move right before uh, we had everybody report. Um, me personally, I don't think that with the way that addition and subtraction works from the math that we all learn from watching and reading Moneyball, that we were able to rebuild this roster to be able to compete for the AL West crown. And I'm the first one that I've said it week after week. I really hope that I am absolutely wrong and had a misread about that. But Tyler was going over the numbers. We, we subtracted so much by trying to hold on to some money that unfortunately was because of the, root sports deal, at least in my opinion, because there was no reason to begin to go out and share contracts like that and not really get a lot back in for it in return. We're taking a risk on the two Mitches uh, to hope that the, the injury bug doesn't bite them and that they can go back and perform to levels from a couple years ago. We're doing the same thing with Luis and we're, we're hoping that they can recapture magic from three years ago, which is really hard to do in a sport like baseball. But again, you know, those guys get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. I'm just a fan. I'm here to root and cheer with my interest, but you're also asking me to invest my money into the MLB app so I could watch these games. You're asking me to invest $200 to come bring me and a homie to come out and check out the product and buy expensive stuff at the ballpark. 
I mean, you're getting your revenue out of me, but you haven't done enough to make me believe that you've done what it's going to take to get us past Houston and Texas. And again, I'm the first one to say that I really hope I'm eating those words by the time we get to the all-star break and the beginning of September. T, what you got? Boy, well said, well said. I'm just going to be optimistic, and it's time for them to sit, put middle fingers to the sky. We don't care who believes in us. It's about the guys on this diamond getting it done. Eric, you mentioned, you know, not all these guys are going to make it. And I look at number 79 prospect on my list for Gabriel Gonzalez. And although he's only 20, it baffles me how he's in the top 100 when the guy only hit 215 with a 677 OPS at high Everett right across the bridge from me. It, you know, the scouts are obviously seeing potential within his swing within his skill set that you have to see within your eyes but boy that guy's gonna need to turn a 180 or he's not gonna make it past arkansas i'm extremely high on cole young and harry ford their stats look really good overall but you're right eric you know a ball is one thing they got a mile forget a mile they got a whole trip around the earth to be ready for the bigs but what I love is they're both almost a one-to-one K-to-walk ratio players. If you have that sort of command of the strike zone and ability to read the pitches and swing at strikes, I think that bodes extremely well for progressing up the pipeline to the Major League Baseball. And then just one last quick thing. Cole Emerson here at number 87. He's only 18. A tidbit I read that I thought was awesome was he was an all-state receiver in high school from Ohio. Ohio is a great football state, as most of us know. So obviously, this Colt is an absolute stud of an athlete. Anything else here, RG? As long as we don't end up with Matt Bush, we good. Well, there you go. Um, anything else we want to talk about prospects, prospects that are not my favorite subject. Um, I'm glad that, and I, and I don't mean to discount them because they are important. Um, you know, prospects mean the future and it's going to be in three or four years that these, these kids are hopefully performing for us. Um, but they're not the most interesting part to me. Um, thank you. Thank you, Tyler, because there are some people and nothing wrong with this. I mean, like, you know, just love all this amateur baseball and, and a ball and double a, they just love, uh, to watch, um, the guys come up through the process. What do we, what else do we know here? It's a slow time, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's really a slow time. We talked a little bit about ownership, and the longer I've we've done this show, um, the more I had to think about, well, maybe if I say that, it's going to come back to haunt me somewhere down the road, you know? If I, if I say something about somebody that's, that's, you know, negative, maybe that'll come down to haunt me down the road. So I want to be careful about what I'm talking about with people. I want to know that I have my facts straight. I want to know that, um, that I really know what they're talking about. Let's talk about Mariner's ownership. Um, and I got to dig this quote out, but 
there was quotes by JD and Stanton in regards to spending money for uh, at least spending money to improve the team when the time came. What they didn't tell you is they invested all this money that they asked us to save and share and hold up for when the good times come, we can really push our chips in. Um, they went ahead and invested in uh, the uh, regional sports networks, and they invested in the Blazers, and they invested in the Kraken. And two years later, the bottom falls out of this market. Uh, that is this year. And uh, we're being told to just take it on the chin and we're going to move some chairs around here and we're going to act like something's better. It, <laughs> baseball's a lot of luck. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of grit, but you can only overcome so much with that. You need talent on the field. We've swapped this and traded that and moved that over here and hoping for a rebound there. The infield looks like a mess to me. I mean, it really looks like a disaster. Uh, hopefully, Rojas can play well. Hopefully, this Urias can play well. But we don't know these guys. I don't know these guys. Um, we have Ty France on first base that everybody thinks is going to be, not everybody, and I'm not referring to you guys for sure. But folks, some folks think, well, he's been to driveline. He's going to be all fixed. We have... Uh, Mr. Canzone, who I really think can get over that hump, <coughs> but I also thought that with JD for or JK for three years too. Uh, you're asking a new guy to go out there and and play a corner outfield spot. Maybe the team has something for us, but they screwed up, and we get to pay for it, ladies and gentlemen. They took that money and they invested it in a poor place. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but this is what I understand from the articles. Um, Robert, I know you've been tough on ownership, too. I wanted to get that out again. Anything to add on this situation? It's really disappointing. Well, I made the comment that if these guys were drug dealers, they all just fucked up their re-up. And they're really bad at being rich guys, which is astonishing to me, especially with the hands that with the businesses that they were involved in before they got involved in this baseball thing. The root sports thing was, I, I still don't understand how you don't make Time Warner, Warner Brothers Discovery liable for dropping their part of the bag, and you just got stuck with it. Who didn't read that contract? Where was your legal team at? How did they have an out when everything started crumbling and you just stuck with the gun and the mask and the car running with the police coming down your throat trying to figure out who just robbed this place and all the evidence points to you. But I guess it's just I guess it's just hard for everybody right now. What we really need to do, what we really need to do is just come out and rally around that opening day roster. And if we can come out with as much energy as we can to support these guys now, it's still up to them to go out there and perform, but you're handcuffed. You're handcuffed. What what are what are you to do when you go to the grocery store and yesterday's price isn't today's price? And now milk yesterday was two fifty eight and you had two fifty eight in your budget. Now today 
the price is milk is three ninety nine, and you don't have that budgeted. You're going to have to take from something else to be able to come up to what you need for your milk. But the other thing that you let that money go for too is also important to you. And that's just hood math. How do you shed all these contracts? You get rid of Marco, you get rid of Ray, you get rid of stuff, you get rid of things that were holding you down. And then you go out and you, I, I like the Mitches and I, I, I'm not knocking on Hanniger. Hanniger was very important to us in his time there. But again, we're relying on who you were three years ago to magically show back up and be that in 2024. Or am I looking at that wrong? T, help me out here. Well, I mean, you guys are absolutely right about being lied to by ownership. And I put lied to in air quotes with my fingers right now. Because I've said this at nauseum, you cannot trust a politician, you cannot trust a billionaire, and when he says that we will spend more when the time's right, I mean, he could say, hey, I did spend more, we signed Colton Wong, we signed AJ Pollock, is that a bunch of bullshit? Yes, but... You know, these guys, these billionaires didn't become that rich by accident. They're obviously willing to hurt your feelings and step on toes to make it to that level. And then to top it off, I'm looking at baseball's payroll list right now. The Mariners are sitting squarely in 18th place. And they're really just kind of like a middle-class team right now. We're what, only three spots behind exactly the halfway point. And monetarily, we are, you know, we're only $10 million below the Diamondbacks at number 15. So we're right at that middle market threshold. So it's hard for me to get too frustrated. I think we might just have to admit who we are we are not going to be the rich kid on the block. And I'm going to just take it back really quickly here. When I was growing up, I always wanted a pair of Air Jordans. Always did. My family could not afford to buy me a pair of Air Jordans. But guess what? They were still able to provide me with a great life growing up just because I didn't have the hottest pair of shoes on the market does not mean I couldn't go out and succeed. And that's just how the Mariners are going to have to do it. Eric, am I being a little too pie in the sky and giving them a break, or am I being a realist or somewhere in between? God, I hate, I, I really hate to say this, Tyler. You're my friend, but is is a, you know, I just it's a homer alert for me. You know, it's like, yes, you're right. We love this team. Um, it's not exactly like milk. It's more like cigarettes. We're addicted. Uh, it's our entertainment. It's our and, you know, RG, I know I pay for that baseball every month, too. But if you're out of market, man, that's great entertainment for $25. But these guys misled us, you know. They screwed the pooch. And you can wait in three years and be paying about what they're, you know, what's going to happen when these guys are hitting ARB 2, ARB 3. You're not going to be able to afford these other guys. If you're pinching the penny. And if you're investing in the wrong things, um, this is a bad deal. This is a bad deal. Maybe it'll turn around. Maybe maybe it's not as negative as, as I'm making it out. 
Um, and Tyler, I am sorry for calling you a homer. I don't mean that <laughs> literally. No, but, whatever you mean, it's all good. We're friends. Yeah, Feel yeah. free to bring it yeah. at me. I mean, I'm just at the point where I just, yeah, when it all comes down to it, that's all we can do. Enjoy baseball. But doggone it, we were promised something and it's not happening. It makes me mad. All right. Um, there's, there's precedent for teams with low payrolls to make the World Series and they have a chance to compete. The one that comes to mind to me that I'm sitting here as I'm going through these numbers trying to find a good example, uh, we can go to the 2015 World Series where the Kansas City Royals beat the Mets. The Mets back in 2015 were 21st in payroll with $101 million, and they were four spots ahead. Um, I'm sorry, and they were just four spots behind the Royals who had a payroll of $112 million and won a world series. It's possible. But when I look at the way that those guys were put together, they had a nice young core that they were able to get a lot of. And the, the moment wasn't too big for those guys. We, we are overly reliant, going to be overly reliant on a very young pitching staff. We're going to need Julio to be all world as he was until the last two series of the year. Uh, Salvador Perez was World Series MVP that year. Um, and when his contract was up the whole time that he was uh, there underneath that contract that he had with the Royals, he was only paid $60 million. Julio's money shits on that. One job to do. One job to do, and can you do it well? Even uh, So let's go to 2016. Uh, when the Cubs won. Indians made the World Series with a payroll of $96.3 million. And that Cubs team that everyone loved, who finally broke the curse, their payroll was $171 million that year. And it clicked. Things clicked. They spent money. They spent money. Ben Zobris was the man because he was coming off of that performance he had with Kansas City the year prior. Cubs going give that dude his money and he got it. He he got it. And yes, they got great performances from someone and uh from a lot of guys on those teams. And I know poor uh oh little skinny dude, what's his name? Matthews got out there and almost gave the pony away. But they were still able to get it done. So I know that Yeah, but RG, were they it, facing it, it, the kind of are they facing the kind of juggernauts that we just seen the Dodgers put together. I mean, <clears throat> are they facing the kind of juggernauts that we see in Atlanta? Um, thank God we're not in the NL. Uh, are we seeing the type of spending that that we seen from Texas last year? It, you know, it seems like Tyler. It's not that far away that Nelson Cruz was hitting home runs. And Felix was still on the team, and Seager was at third base, and uh, Cano was at second, and the the payroll seemed like it was $180 million. It, maybe that's over a little bit, but it was up there with that veteran team. 
You're right. I want to say it was probably closer to 165 million, but your point is extremely well taken, Eric. I did the math before. And so if we take six years ago, you add an inflation over the past six years, an equal payroll would probably be 195 plus million dollars to make the pennies equal the pennies when we count inflation. So when RG is referring to the Cubs and 171 million in today's math, that's probably more like 200 plus million. And I, I was a little too lax on the Mariners. I think my perspective is growing up. I learned very quickly that we were a small market team at the time. We were not going to be able to afford superstars. I asked my dad one day, why did we trade Tino and Jeff Nelson to the Yankees for a bag of baseballs? It felt like, and he was like, son, this is how economics work sometimes. And it kind of gave me a life lesson through sports, but just looking at the league average payroll, Eric, we are currently $20 million below the league average right now. The players and the fans deserve to at least be at league average. This writer, Jim Bowden, is reporting a couple of days ago that the Mariners are listening to offers on a couple of their young starters, which to him indicates they might try to jump back in the Blake Snell business. I'm going to cry bullshit until I see otherwise, but RG we got to at least be league average, don't we, bro? The last time that a team won the World Series with a sub top 15 payroll, and it's going to pay me to say it because I hate those bastards, and you can say what you want to about Trash Can Gate, Houston Astros in 2017, they were the number 17 payroll at $138 million when they beat the Dodgers who spent $269 million that year. Moving forward, 2018, number one payroll, Boston Red Sox win the World Series. 2019, number seven payroll, Washington Nationals win the World Series. 2020, the COVID year, and, you know, there's some conspiracy theories about that too. Uh, Dodgers beat Tampa. 2021, the Braves had the 10th payroll, won the World Series. 2022, Houston has the eighth payroll, won the World Series. Last year, Texas has the fourth highest payroll, win the World Series. There's these guys who go out and harp about spending money doesn't guarantee certain things. I I get that, and I'm not discrediting it. But also there's some proof in the pudding that it takes a top 10 payroll over the last few years in baseball to win a World Series. One team got lucky, and that's a debated World Series because they cheated to get it. Yeah. Yep, they really did. And uh, you're exactly right. I'm glad that's that's the subject I wanted you to, to touch on. And that you're absolutely right on that, that uh, these, these, uh, forgive me, Andy. You're absolutely right that it takes money uh, to win championships. Yes, there's luck in baseball and the Disney Ducks and all this other stuff that uh, seven-year-olds believe in and watch. But, you know, Seattle is not a poor city. We are not the outpost we used to be when Tyler was talking about um, his dad talking to him in the 90s. We're grown up. We've got people showing up to the baseball, clamoring for winning baseball. And this team is not doing anything. You've got, and, and I'm not even happy with J.D., 
Um, you got to spend money, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, there's luck in baseball, but you got to spend money. Well, so and so spent all that Can money. Can I play the other side of the coin yeah. here? Can I play the other side of the coin here for you too? Let's let's go back to let's go back to 2017. The losers of the World Series, number one payroll. 2018, the losers of the World Series, number three payroll. 2019, the losers of the World Series, number eight payroll. 2020 is the anomaly year because of the COVID year. Tampa's payroll that year was 28. Braves beat Houston. Houston's payroll was fifth. Houston beats the Phillies. Phillies' payroll was fourth. And then this this year as well, too. So twice, twice, someone without a top-tier payroll got to the World Series with even a fighting chance. Though Those numbers don't bode well if you don't do what you've been screaming about for the last few months, Easy e and that's been that cheddar. Yeah, and in a way to, you know, if you need to diverse in several different players to feel better, I would be to throw my ba- the bag at, at Otani. Um, but, you know, we need to, uh, it, it's so disappointing, not even to make an effort at these top guys, uh, not even to be in the, you know, I mean, not even the same neighborhood uh, as these guys. Tyler, anything else to add there or anything, Mariners, you want to talk about? One more nugget that Robert really piqued my interest right there with all of that great info about the World Series teams is when he mentioned the Washington Nationals won the World Series with the seventh payroll. Going into this season, the Nationals are 22nd. And that is the model the Mariners' ownership should be following right now. Us fans aren't asking to be the New York Yankees or the L.A. Dodgers every single season. But what we need to do is when the time is right, we need to go for it. We have just this incredible window with these young players that's the envy of all the baseball but we're not willing to push in the rest of the way if we were willing to push in right now and really go for this damn thing i think all of us fans would be perfectly fine in four years five years we take a step back like the nationals recoup some money develop some young players and go at it again I think that's a model we should follow, but it feels like they're going strictly by what the accountant is telling them for baseball operations right now. Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg were on the Nationals team, and those contracts ate up a bunch of money. But then you look at what happened after that. Strasburg opt out and then re-into a deal that has had Washington fucked ever since. So again, you oh, I don't want us to be a one hit wonder. Well, they got that banner and we don't. Look at the Toronto Raptors. They got that banner. They got that banner and beat a Golden State Warriors team. Now, granted, KD and Clay Thompson both get hurt, but that's not what the record says. The record says that they beat the Golden State Warriors and they hung a banner in there. The fans want to see a banner. The fans want to see a banner. Ooh, hook or by crook, by any means necessary. I'm turning into Malcolm X here. I want to see a banner. I want to see a banner. Go out and spend some money to be able to get it done. Only one World Series since 2014 has had two sub pay, sub top 10 payrolls, and that was the Royals versus the Mets. Again, the Royals were built differently, and the Mets were going Met. 
Not a single one since then. To me, that says that money has to be spent. You can't buy a championship. I got stats here that say you may not be able to buy a championship, but it's going to at least get you to the final round against somebody who did what? Spend money to get there. Yeah, it's going to put you in the dance, ladies and gentlemen, and that's all you can ask for. Um, you know, it's going to put you in the playoffs. That's what you can ask for. That's when luck, that's when all that grit, that's when all that Disney duck stuff can really come alive and happen. Uh, but you got to you got to get there. This there is no reason that Seattle Mariners should not be a top 10 uh payroll, uh particularly when we gave them three to four or five years of total slack to just hire just just junk, you know, bring in some to fill holes while we get these prospects going, while we get get these guys to the major leagues. We saved a ton of money. And uh that is supposed to be put back into the team. I don't have anything else, Mariners guys. I'm looking forward to seeing what we got. Uh pitchers and catchers will be re- uh, going to camp here pretty soon. Uh, we hope to have some luck on our side this year. Anything else, guys? Well, for starters, uh, we forgot one major thing, and that is the Hall of Fame recently. Now, we'll touch on him for just one wow. second yeah. because yeah, we'll we all know Adrian Beltre's five years with the Mariners were pretty meh, pretty whatever. He clearly had his superstardom with Texas, Boston, and L.A. But the huge, huge news for Mariners fans is that Ichiro and Felix Hernandez will be first-time candidates on the Hall of Fame ballot for next year. I think Ichiro is probably a no-brainer to all of us, I would guess. Felix is going to be one of the great Hall of Fame debates for any baseball fan. What you got for me, R.G.? I love Felix. I love King Hernandez, man. King Felix, dude, gets no better than that. But I'm telling you right now, Felix Hernandez in the Hall of Fame is the ultimate participation trophy. He does not have the stats to be able to back that up. And I know that that's not his doing because he could only play on one side of the ball before these new rules came in that would allow Otani to hit and pitch eight innings in a game. But I'm telling you, man, King Felix had a hell of a career. He brought a lot of joy to the Pacific Northwest. He brought a lot of joy to this young man who was sitting in Albuquerque, New Mexico, screaming every time that he came out. I was just upset that I couldn't get up to Seattle to get one of them King Felix shirts and signs every time that he pitched. King's court was killing it. But unfortunately, sadly, that dude is not a Hall of Famer. And if he somehow gets in, everybody on that voting committee needs to be tested because they just own straight drugs and they're prisoners of the moment. And it just it just wouldn't be right if Phillies were to make the Hall of Fame. You know, baseball Hall of Fame is the hardest to get into. It's the the highest rung, uh, save for the most... Uh, sacred players the most talented players in on the in the world so that puts felix in kind of a bind because he just didn't have that premium for more than 
I don't know, you guys know more better than I do, but what was it, five, six years he was just King Felix, and then the other parts he wasn't. Nolan Ryan was the same. He was kind of a meh pitcher, meh pitcher, but he pitched for like 20 years. Felix did do that. He's out of the game at 32. That's unheard of for a pitch. Well, maybe not unheard of, but, you know, 32. Mr. Eric, did you really just get all these airwaves right now and say that Nolan Ryan was a man pitcher? Did he had really what I what I wanted to say is he had some meh meh years, right? He had some years where he wasn't Nolan Ryan. And that's what I'm trying to say. But he pitched for 20 years. Um, he wasn't a great pitcher every year he pitched. Um but he, he's a pretty badass pitcher now, don't get me wrong, but he and he's, you know, Hall of Fame pitcher. My point is, is Felix didn't have that longevity. They're either looking like wow us beyond belief for seven or eight years, or, you know, you should have that and longevity of 15-year career. I think that's where uh, Felix falls short is what I'm trying to say is um, we'd like to see more longevity out of him. So what everybody wants is a bunch of stat collectors who somehow stay in baseball for that goddamn long. I'm telling you, I'm looking at the last five players inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame, and I truly believe Felix Hernandez was a greater baseball player let's go back a little further harold baines stat collector craig biggio stat collector fred mcgriff scott Rowland, stat collectors even adrian beltre was he ever considered greater than felix no let's go back i'm not going to say felix is sandy koufax by any stretch but he blew out his arm after six great seasons and he's still considered maybe the greatest pitcher ever i want dominance i want elite this guy had a perfect game only 24 ever in major league baseball and it was a one nothing game and that was completely emblematic of his entire career with the mariners no run support i get it i get it maybe he wasn't didn't have the longest career but i'm looking at this let's break it down guys he had 10 seasons over 190 innings, five seasons over 230 innings, seven seasons over 190 Ks, 11 seasons under a four ERA, six seasons under 3.1, four seasons under three, one Cy Young, two Cy Young runners-up, six-time All-Star, two-time ERA leader. Fellas, I couldn't disagree more, and that's just because my personal opinion, I want dominant-ass kickers, not stat collectors. Yeah. I see Robert. He is just punching away on this computer, and he's looking at this, and he's looking at that. What have you got for us, Robert, on that? Would you say that Felix Hernandez is better than Tommy John? And I know that we're... I know that we're none of us are really old enough to have seen Tommy John do his thing, but I mean the surgery's named after him, so we got to give that guy some credit. You think Felix is a better pitcher than Tommy John, just based on some stats? I'm gonna say Felix, no, but I have absolutely no clue to make how many a how many wins how many wins. All right, so Felix won 169 games over the course of his career. Tommy John won 229 yeah, games with the 300. Wins are not, not in the Wins are not not in the Hall stat. of Fame. Not in the Hall of Fame. Luis Tate, Luis Tate, a great pitcher in his day. Not in the Hall of Fame. 
Kevin, Kevin Brown, the first guy to ever get a hundred billion dollar payroll, not in the hall of fame. This it's, it's, it's going to be tough. It's, it's just really going to be tough. I don't think that he, I, it's, it's a you know, really geez. exclusive group, ladies and gentlemen. Baseball. It's a crapshoot, man. Yeah, baseball is really, it's the toughest hall to get into. And um, I I think both you guys have valid points. I, I would probably lean, and I think the public or the writers will will agree with, with me and, and RG that uh, it's just not quite there. Uh, although Tyler, you've got some very valid points, and uh, um, I'd love to see him in there. We'll see what happens. I I want to call East Coast bias. East Coast bias. Watch, CC Sabathia will get in on the very first ballot, and I don't think there's any sane fan that would say that at their peak, CC was ever better than Felix Hernandez. He just had the opportunity to play in the playoffs while one guy was on lowly, shitty Seattle who decided that they couldn't make the playoffs for over 20 years. I'm not holding it against a guy when he showed loyalty to a team that signed him as a 16-year-old out of Venezuela. Hit me, Robert. We had that conversation about loyalty a couple of weeks ago, and loyalty could be the downfall. Had he choked, had he left and gone somewhere else and had a chance to compete for a championship, just like CC Sabathia, left the Indians, got that pinstripes, got that ring, and now he's doing commercials, and now he might get in the Hall of Fame with his numbers called. Had Phoenix not have been loyal to his cause, maybe he cost himself a chance to get in Cooperstown. I mean, that's a good point. The one relieving point that we don't have to feel too bad about Tyler is the man is rich. And I mean, he's rich. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, God bless him. I don't think he makes it. Um, and that's. He definitely is not paying for lobster rolls in Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, um, I I don't think he makes it, but uh, we love him here in Seattle. He did a great job, and and you're right, Tyler. He was a dominant pitcher for quite a long time. Um, so East Coast bias, we're used to that. These guys, these clowns over there, will convince you that the best baseball in the AL is played in the in the east and it's been two or three years where we've wiped the floor uh from them so keep that in mind when you hear uh some eastern blowhearts on that uh, anything else we're missing here here boys Let's just spend a couple of minutes on Ichiro. I'm going to go at this really fast but he deserves so much respect. I call it extraterrestrial back control. He could hit any pitch, any location, 10 gold gloves, 10 all-stars, an all-star MVP, three silver sluggers, two-time batting champ, MVP and rookie of the year. He set the record for hits in 2004 with 262 hits in a freaking baseball season. That hits record stood for 84 years. He hit 372 with a 130 OPS plus in that record setting season. Ichiro was unbelievable. What do you think, RG? The Ichiro conversation goes back to one that frustrates me too when they talk about Japanese baseball talent 
they don't play against the best in the world until they come over here to the United States. Well, Ichiro had a very long career over there before he came over here, and he was a king over there. And then the second he touched down over here, lights out. Lights out. I'm tired of hearing about that bias about how the best sport is only, baseball is only played best here in the States. I'm telling you, man, it, 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 it's, a gener- it's a prerequisite prejudice that we just hold because they're not, we don't get to see them every day. And just my, one of my favorite EG roll moments, he's standing in right field corner in Kauffman Stadium and not even a one hop throws a frozen rope from the corner of right field to third base to, tell, to nag out or tag out a runner. Just unbelievable, just baseball talent. And to have all of that talent in the guy who's the size of a straw. It's just absolutely amazing. Ichiro Suzuki, man, he, now I don't think he's going to get Griffey numbers, but, and I definitely don't think he's going to get Mariano Rivera numbers, but Ichiro doesn't make it in with somewhere over 95% of the vote. Again, I need those guys tested for meth. Yeah, you might find that he gets uh, 100% of the vote. You might find that he does. I think that's becoming more common. Um, And... Sir. Well, is it only Mariano, the only one that got that set the record for the most percentage of the vote? Because Griffey didn't. No, Griffey but didn't. Yeah, Mar- Mariano. But there was Mar- a lot Mariano of backlash because of Griffey not getting those last few votes. Mariano came by close after that. If I'm wrong, forgive me. Um, and and captured that 100. percent I think everybody knows that Griffey should have had that 100. percent But there's just that baseball tradition where there's a couple guys who can't vote for it, you know? Um, it was two, wasn't it? Two assholes who who was stuck in their mama's basement and didn't realize that George was the greatest player of all time. Uh, Mariners baseball, we're getting closer, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen a lot of moves. There's There's some minor league stuff going on that this guy or that guy, pitching depth type stuff. Um, maybe we'll see another move before it's all said and done. I'd love to see that, and we could resurrect this uh, season. We certainly have some talent. If we could just boister the talent a little bit and catch some luck, uh, maybe we could uh, at least get to the World Series. RG, what you got? Just to make sure we got it accurate, uh, we'll go. We'll go over the top five. Since he was just a man pitcher. Nolan Ryan, I didn't say he was point a, eight. I didn't say <laughs> no, he was. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you, brother. I didn't say he was. I'm just messing with you, brother. Uh, I'm just messing with you, brother. How many years Nolan did he? Ryan, how many years did he pitch? Eight percent of the vote. How many years did he pitch? All but six. Who? He did. How, how much money that boy got? It was, it was, it was only. It was only twenty-seven. It's only twenty-seven. Which have you had a job for twenty-seven years? No. No, I haven't. All right, cool. You're telling me every one of those 27 years he was an outstanding pitcher? Hey, man. <laughs> Women lie, men lie. Numbers don't lie. I mean, the, the dude with the It's the guy reading the numbers that decades. I'm worried about. In four decades. <laughs> in four decades. That guy led, that guy was a strikeout leader in four different decades. Let, let's give him some respect. All right, 98.8% of the vote. All but six voters voted for him. 
Tom Seaver, 1992, 98.8% of the vote. Not as many voters in 92 as there were the year that Nolan went in. All but five voted for Seaver. Junior Griffey, 2006, 99.3% of the vote. All but three people voted for him. Derek Jeter, 2020, 99.7% of the vote. One person did not think that Jerry Jeter deserved to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. One person. Well, I'm glad glad you pointed me out there. Mariano Rivera, 2019, the only player to ever get 100% of the vote. And I, I think you meant Griffey was what, 216, 217 he went in? Not not six. Uh, 216. Okay, thank you. 16, yep. yeah. Yeah, 216. I, I, I really think that's the one that broke it. You know, we've had baseball used to be super traditional. And I mean, it's like two teams for the AL and two teams for the NL. And that was the playoffs. And now we've seen baseball just move at a rapid pace in the last 10 years. Just traditions out the window, whatever colors you want to wear is fine. You've got, you know, showing up in clown suits to uh, baseball games here lately. So... Um, tradition is almost a thing of the past in baseball and you see things just moving at a rapid pace. And I think one of those was the disgrace of Ken Griffey Jr. Not getting a hundred percent of the vote and, and folks realizing the wrong that was done to him and correcting it with Mariano Rivera. Um, if I may say so, maybe that's off base, but that's how I feel about it. And depending on how you believe the closer stat should be looked at, again, if a lot of how we look at baseball has been given to us by the revelations that we all got out of the Moneyball book when it first came out, there's a lot of people who believe that the closer role is the most overrated position really on the field because a game can, the most pressure field part of the game could actually happen innings one through eight and he's out there with the three run lead he's not under that same amount of pressure as another pitcher was at a certain point of the game so I completely understand that too if it was anybody it should have been Griffey but I think that because it wasn't Griffey is why Jeter lost that one vote and then because now four people look like the stupidest people in the room Mariano had to get in unanimously. Oh, man. They think they play good baseball <laughs> back there, too. I mean, you just blow hard. Um, the last AL East World Series champion? Boston? Yes, sir. 2018. So there you go. And every year, every year they're going to take every playoff spot there is. Um, and every year they, they do not do that and beat the hell out of each other and all run around with black eyes, uh, into the playoffs and, and quickly get beat by the West. Uh, I'm going to call it there, ladies and gentlemen, that's Seattle Mariners baseball for this week. Uh, casuals corner. We've been doing something this year that's really been a, been a lot of fun and uh it, it's too bad that rg's by himself on this deal but uh and we're gonna bring indy in here but we're we've been talking football uh all year long and uh seattle seahawks football and then the huskies have been such a um 
a fun time too. Tyler, uh, what do we got coming up here this week? We've got four teams left. Uh, one more weekend before the Super Bowl. Northwest bias. You're darn right. I'm bringing that Northwest bias every day of the week, bro, and I'm damn proud of it, man. Well, I mean, there's honestly not a lot of news right now. We'll find a ton out tomorrow night. Who's playing and, and who's going to win? Who's playing and who's going to win? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make Robert crazy and say it's gonna be the all hood Super Bowl Baltimore versus Detroit. And part of that is I just kind of want shit to hit the fan for the corporate NFL world. And part of it I do believe though. I think they could easily go either way. And so that's when I kind of just lean towards my fandom. I love Lamar Jackson's improvement. I love the way Baltimore has a physical style of play across the board. I just, the only thing is, is so you got to beat the chiefs and somehow, some way they seem to get it done, but I'm going to lead towards Baltimore and seeing what we saw last weekend. I hope it's another rainy day in San Francisco because it feels like Brock Purdy is not the same quarterback when the ball was wet compared to a sunny California day. What's up, RG? Where we, we sit here in this pressure cooker situation where Patty Mahomes is two wins away from making the Hall of Fame. And if you don't believe me, look at the stats. He is miles better. Miles better at everything that Terry Bradshaw ever did with his four rings with Pittsburgh. He's two wins away from locking his seat into the Hall of Fame. And I, for one, hope to God he doesn't get there this year. <laughs> but, I mean, the dude is talented. The dude is talented. He's played for the AFC Championship every year that he's been the starter. Um they have Baltimore's number. Lamar Jackson has only beat Patty Mahomes once. It's going to take a major effort from that defense to keep him and Andy Reid from doing more State Farm commercials. I'm hoping myself that Baltimore pulls out the <laughs> AFC. I would love the the last time that the Detroit Lions were in this position before the Super Bowl era. They beat this team called the San Francisco 49ers to go get their only NFL championship. And it's time to bring it back 80 years later. It's time for Detroit to stand up. I would love to see a Detroit-Baltimore title title game here in a couple of weeks. I would love to see Detroit-Rock City versus The Wire. I want to see the hood stand up. <laughs> I want to see bullets flying. I want to see riots happening. Both cities going to burn. <laughs> no matter who gets hit, <laughs> I'm just ready for it, man. I'm ready for it. San Francisco's had their fun. Kansas City's had their fun. I need some new blood in. And, and, and it could be two more volatile cities in America go in, and that's what I want. Indy, what you got, baby? Fuck the 49ers. I want Detroit to win. And also, I'm sick of the Taylor Swifts, man. Get them out of here. I'm ready for Baltimore Ravens to fucking stomp them. Just put their foot on their neck and not let go. 
That's what I want. I want to see Patrick Mahomes crying on the sideline and Travis Kells doing what he does. Uh, not on a stretcher. No, I want. I just want to see him over there sad. Talk about it on his podcast the next day with his brother. I'm sick of. The, I'm sick of them. I am sick of them. More like I. I used to hate like the 49ers and the Rams more than anybody, but. Taylor Swift has made me hate the Chiefs more than anything. I cannot stand it. The NFL has become like her league. So you're telling me that your girl didn't want tickets to the show when Taylor Swift came to Nashville? She went because my mom gave her tickets to take my sisters. (laughs) (laughs) She took my sisters. (laughs) Let me tell you, she was miserable. (laughs) Uh... She hated every second of it. She's not a Taylor Swift fan. I, you know, some some guys just know how to win, and that's Patrick Mahomes. They just know how to win, and and you think you got them under control, and and uh, just somehow, some way, that guy ends up walking away the winner. That's sad. You know, I got to give it to Mahomes too. I I did not when you when you watch him scramble up the middle of the field. It's the most awkward-looking run that you would think a professional athlete could ever have in his life and why guys can't seem to bring him down. And I didn't realize he's a big boy. Patty Mahomes is a big dude. I I would say the same thing about Josh Allen, except for Josh Allen played at the University of Wyoming, and they're in the same conference as, you know, my college that I live in in Albuquerque. And Josh Allen was bigger than half the team. Lyman included, you know, that's a, that's a big boy. But the, the one thing I want to see get eliminated is the quarterback can't do that fake slide move. Oh, hell that, no. just, that just keeps him from getting killed. And then it gives an opening for him to run 25 more yards down the field when he, you know, tag, tag no tag, back tag, whatever it is. When we was playing, we was kids, freeze tag. Oh, I'm unfrozen ghost runner. Just, he shouldn't be able to do that. He shouldn't be able to do that. It is. It's very, it very is all, all ratings, all ratings driven. You know, um, I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to write the NFL on that. In the meantime, I'm going to pick, make my picks <laughs> for this weekend. Um, uh, we talked about Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes, how he uh, walks away with the trophy all the time. Uh, some guys are just like that. They know how to win. That said, the Ravens is probably one of the most dominating teams I've seen a couple times this year. And they've really taken on some teams like the Seahawks at the time were thought to be a pretty good team. They've taken down the 49ers. You know, Lamar Jackson's nothing to sneeze at there. It's a balanced team. They like balance in in, uh, um, in in Baltimore. And, you know, I've talked about having offensive balance with, with the Mariners. Sometimes having one area where you're just so strong, you think that's going to carry you, and, and it doesn't happen. Balance is where it's at. I'll take the Ravens. Um, everybody's good luck story, everybody's underdog story, you know, being, watching the Seattle market, that's where we belong, Tyler, isn't that right? We're the underdogs. Um, uh, We're just used to a life of that. Um, 
That would be the Detroit Lions. What a disgrace. Haven't been to the uh, Super Bowl. Never won a Super Bowl. They've got a great team this year. We, I wish them the best. I'm, I'm rooting for them against the 49ers. I, you know, I don't know if the 49ers got what it takes to, to get past them. I'm going to take Detroit. Good stuff, Eric. I have a few things because I just got wound up in my emotion on how pumped I am to watch these games. For starters, I want to just do a couple of shout outs on the matchups. Key matchup to me for Baltimore, Kansas City is can Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, an inside linebacker, and strong safety Kyle Hamilton, can they shut down or at least limit Travis Kelsey because we know that receiving core is relatively weak? If they can make it so the receivers have to win the game, Baltimore's chances of winning skyrocket, in my opinion. Then we go to San Francisco, Detroit. I'm looking at right tackle Colton McKivitz. And second-year star Aiden Hutchinson. If I'm Detroit, I'm not putting Hutchinson over on Trent Williams' side. That guy is walking into the Hall of Fame kicking ass and taking names. So I am absolutely attacking McKivitz at right tackle with Hutch. And if Hutch can kick his ass, that's a huge difference. If McKivitz can hold his own, then that'll help San Francisco a ton. Now, really quickly, going to what RG was saying about Patrick Mahomes, I'm on this platform when it comes to Hall of Fame. I think Patrick Mahomes is already a Hall of Famer. I'm not the biggest on longevity. I'm about dominance and ass kicking and how much did you kick the shit out of the league that you were in in your era, and he's done that. And now since you are our Philly Philadelphia Eagles savant RG Andy Reed coached his team to five straight championship games with the Eagles. He is coached the yeah four straight four straight RG. Okay, I'm wrong. Four straight tra- conference championships with the Eagles. Now six straight conference championships with the Chiefs. I think that's one of the most incredible coaching accomplishments I've ever seen. Do where do you put Andy Reid in just the pantheon of great NFL coaches ever? Andy Reid was bound to be one of the greatest humans that has ever lived. Was that video of him being bigger than every kid in America during the putt pass kick competition game out? <laughs> I was an Eagles. I'm an Eagles fan. I lived through the early 2000s of watching us get to four consecutive NFC championship games to only make the Super Bowl once to watch Donovan McNabb turn into the biggest pussy on the field. I see us get back to the NFC championship game again, and Kurt Warner just had a day on us, and we couldn't put up enough points to keep up. I was hurt when we let Andy Reid go. I thought that he had done enough. I thought that he had done enough with the only thing that he didn't do was win the ship. I was happy to see Andy get his first ring. It did sting, but then Philly finally got a ring right after that. It pained me to my soul to see Andy Reid get ring number two 
because he got it against the Eagles. Andy Reid gets one more ring. Everybody rides Jimmy Johnson. Andy Reid is better than Jimmy Johnson. Proof is in the pudding. That longevity, that time, and the fact that he did it with multiple franchises. Once Jimmy Johnson left Dallas, Miami didn't have any success. Miami didn't play for a championship. You got to give Andy Reid his due. You do. Um, if Patty's walking into the Hall of Fame with what he's done, Andy Reid is going right in behind him, and it couldn't happen to a better guy. All that being said, let's go Baltimore. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, we're getting down to the last. Boy, I don't know what we're going to talk. We'll talk about the Waste Management Golf Tournament here coming up soon. <laughs> Snow bunnies in the desert, baby. So, and we've got spring training coming up, ladies and gentlemen, um, with all kinds of bunnies there too. And uh, we're getting ready for it next year. I hope to maybe have RG out here too and doing some interviews and stuff. Um, Hopefully, we'll have some sponsors by then because it can be expensive to go to the ballpark every day. Um, But it would be fun if we could do that. And of course, we'd like to have. Uh, Indy and, and Tyler out here too to to the Phoenix area uh, talking to you from Boondock Studios uh, Mesa, Arizona here tonight. Anything else we wanted to touch on tonight guys? I mean, I know we like to like like we said, we could talk about things forever but um, anything else that I've missed or we've missed or Indy, we didn't give you much time to talk tonight. Speech, speech, speech. <laughs> speech. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we've had a great time with you here today. Have a great night. Have a great morning, afternoon, wherever you're at. It's a podcast. We record at 7, 8, 9, or 10 o'clock Sunday evenings, and we hope to have that for you if I do my part and send my part in. Um, I want to thank Indy. I want to thank Tyler. I want to thank RG. It's Casuals Corner, the show by fans, for fans. See, 